No, Professor Jim Walsh is from Clash Mailkin and Causeway, formerly of Minute University, and he's got a new book out talking about income distribution and redistribution in Ireland, the geographical exploration. It's the comparison between urban and rural Ireland and how uh, people are doing in terms of what they earn and where they live. It challenges our view on the disparity between urban and rural Ireland. Like, why is income in Minus greater than in Killarney, despite both being of similar size? Large county towns like Tralee and Sligo also have much smaller medium incomes than might be expected given the basis of their size of population. I spoke to Professor Walsh and asked him about the comparisons and what it tells us about who earns what where in Ireland. The research that is reported in this book has looked at the variation in incomes in both urban and rural areas uh, over as the period since around 2000 and the more detailed uh, for the uh, year of 2016. Um, traditionally, the view has been that incomes in urban areas, on average, are much higher than is the case in rural areas. The research that I've completed shows that since about 2010, that gap between urban and rural incomes has narrowed considerably, uh, so that in 2019, uh, the, uh, the difference was only 3%. That urban households, or on average, uh, their median income was 3% higher than that for rural areas. That, that is a considerable uh, change over a short period of time. It was 19% um, in 2008 and it's 3% as of 2019, so over a decade it narrowed considerably. Why was that? Was it that the things de- disimprove in rural urban Ireland or, or did they, was there an improvement of, of redistribution between the regions? I think it's partially um, a better redistribution, but um, the more likely reason in fact is to do with what we mean by urban and rural. Uh, the uh, issue here is that uh, the uh, places that are defined as uh, urban areas um, they uh, are, are more limited in that many of the households who earn their income from working in urban places happen to live in rural areas so that they and this, this is happening to the impact of um, um, commuting that um, many households now are commuting from rural into urban places but their incomes are being recorded as part of the rural income oh, yes, and okay. helping to elevate the uh, rural incomes yeah, yeah. No, you you spotted as well that a large disparity in medium levels of in, the supposedly can persist between Dublin and also the border, the southeast and midland regions over the last two decades. That 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 is the case. It, it has been a persistent uh, a divide uh, between Dublin and those other uh, regions. Uh, quite a large divide where uh, the average income is about forty percent less um, in those regions than in the case in Dublin. And the evidence is that that gap is, is widening, especially in, in recent years. Um, the, uh, in the uh, research we go on to examine why that is the case, uh, the, the, the main reason why um, such differences occur is related to the way in which our economy is structured uh, across the regions. The sectors with the highest wages and the highest incomes are uh, in areas like the information technology, parts of the, the finance world, and the high-level professional services. Now, each of these is highly concentrated in the uh, greater Dublin area. Mm. On the other hand, the, um, another sector with very high incomes is in some parts of manufacturing, especially the manufacturing associated with multinational uh, companies. Uh, but that is predominantly concentrated in the other cities, uh, Cork, uh, Limerick, and Waterford. 
And in the case of Galway, uh, it has a very high level of public sector employment uh, in education, higher education, in health uh, and public administration. And that is the case in a number of other uh, smaller towns throughout the country. So there are a variety of reasons that are contributing to, to the, the high incomes in Dublin and the high spots in other places. And then, of course, the converse is that um, in some of the other regions, in the Midlands and the border, the southeast, parts of the west, there is a reliance on sectors like agriculture or forestry on the one hand, or uh, retailing or the hospitality sector. Um, these are uh, all the sectors where the average uh, earnings are, are below, uh, below the average for the state. So they are relatively low-paying uh, sectors, and there is an over-reliance on them in terms of the share of employment. Um, so is that, that fair to say then, Professor Walsh, that, that people in that area or politicians in the border, Midlands, uh, regions, the southeast parts of the west are, are right when they're saying, look, we're being left behind. We, we've too centralised an economy and, and that they don't have any large, you know, high quality, high level manufacturing base, be it pharmaceutical or ICT or something of the likes. Um, but there, there is a sense in which um, um, those regions may feel that they're being left behind. But they, uh, I think the argument is more complex than that. Um, the, the fact that we have concentration, the high-wage, uh, high-earning sectors in the cities, uh, that is not a, a unique to Ireland. That is an international phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, that uh, those higher-wage sectors um, gravitate towards capital cities. Um, one of the benefits, of course, is that they, they generate large uh, amounts of um, uh, of taxes uh, in terms of corporate taxes, which uh, are uh, provided to the government. And those uh, taxes, along with the personal taxes that we all pay, they contribute to another major effect, in which is the way in which the state redistributes its resources. And uh, the uh, state um, has a quite a, a sizable impact on the incomes of. Uh, uh, the low-income households in parts of the weaker regions through the state transfers, like uh, the unemployment benefits, the pension, disability benefits, and uh, so on. And the other uh, dimension uh, that is important in the weaker regions is the role of the state as a direct provider of um, relatively well-paid employment in the public sector. Um, the, the public sector, uh, which I mean education, uh, health, uh, the public administration, yeah. uh, defence and security, those sectors account for a disproportionately large share of the income in counties like uh, Kerry, or Donegal, or Clare, or Mayo, and uh, parts of the Midlands. And if that weren't the case, uh, those counties would be in a in big uh, trouble. weaker uh, position. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, we must be careful not to drop a, a, a divide between the richer and the poorer regions. There, there's a high level of interdependency between one and the other. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, fair point there. No, you, you, you make a comparison as well in terms of, of um, different, let's say, towns um, uh, and medium household incomes. An example you give is in Manus with a population of 14,585, very similar to Killarney or Tullamore, but its medium income is 67% greater than either of the other towns. Is uh, that because yeah, of its proximity to Dublin? It is the proximity to Dublin, and that applies to not only Manute, but a number of other uh, commuter towns uh, around the Dublin area. It is something that I think isn't always factored into the discussions about um, um, urban versus rural uh, differences. Uh, the, 
Um, talking about towns by, by reference only to their population size is a very limited way of, of doing so. Um, the, um, the towns that are within commuting distance, they tend to uh, attract a, a large number of um, relatively high-income uh, households who can, they can afford the, the, the houses in those areas. They can try to afford them nowadays. Um, but in the towns uh, elsewhere in the country, with relatively large and providing a wide range of functions, like Tilly uh, or uh, Castle Bar or other places, they, um, they, the, the uh, median incomes uh, there uh, tend to be much lower than one might expect, given the size of the town. Mm. Can I ask you on, on the wider sense of where things go from here on that commuting relationship that maybe it might be changing with the new way of working with hybrid working others will that make a difference people spending more time in those towns rather than having to go to the larger urban areas for work purposes um, Probably the, too early to say maybe uh, Yeah, I, I think that there are possibilities in regard to increased um, uh, remote working um, remote in the sense of being away from the office and particularly being a long distance away from the office the um, evidence though is not terribly conclusive as yet in that area it's, it's early days in the post-pandemic world and they um, what we know so far is that the opportunities for uh, remote working tend to be associated with certain occupations uh, those occupations that are um, reliant on technology and uh, uh, high-speed communications there are some other sectors uh, where the people have to be on the ground to serve their customers or to do the jobs that need to be done, whether it be in manufacturing or in agriculture or uh, in parts of the retail uh, trade. So the, um, the, 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 the level of flexibility varies between uh, sectors and unfortunately some of the sectors that are least mobile are uh, in the weaker regions. Now, on the other hand, they, uh, the more mobile people, they're, they're most likely, I think, to to decentralise to uh, um, the hinterland or be just beyond the hinterland of the larger uh, uh, urban areas and in some cases to uh, what are seen as very attractive um, places in which to live one's life uh, so um, uh, areas with uh, attractive landscapes or uh, attractive environments some of those uh, areas are of course uh, also attracting people who can then avail of the technology through um, some of the initiatives like the hubs that have been uh, planned uh, by the uh, Rural Affairs Minister, um, they can ha help to facilitate that decentralisation. But the overall picture uh, of the, over the long term, um, I, I would be cautious in, in arguing that, um, that we're moving towards uh, a revolution or a panacea and turning around the overall uh, picture. Um, the changes will be modest, I would think. Okay, a uh, final point, and you make this. Um I suppose, observation in terms of how we plan for the future here based on what you found. Um, the, the way we've been doing things up to now won't suffice. Is that right? Uh, yes, I think like that, there's a lot of evidence that say um, the way in which we have organised our society and our economy and uh, that there are, on the one hand, enormous uh, differences between places. Uh, there are enormous costs in terms of the extent to which people are travelling uh, longer distances to, to get to work, to, to engage in various uh, other activities. So the, the, there are social costs associated with that, there are environmental costs, um, and uh, all of these issues were raised, of course, in the context of the Ireland 2040 uh, project and the, 
the um, development of the rural development strategy. Those two documents on their own, uh, they're, they're, they're forward-looking and far-reaching, and uh, they've helped to provide a framework to ad- address, uh, I think, in a more comprehensive and more holistic way the, the range of problems we've got. The, the risk is that we will try to address um, the issues on a problem-by-problem problem basis rather than in, in a coherent uh, comprehensive fashion and if we go down the route of trying to deal with one thing after another over the short term that doesn't provide any solution for yeah. addressing the longer term problem. Yeah, that can be a problem with our politics sometimes it tends to be short term focus rather than the long term vision which Ireland 2040 hopefully will will solve uh, okay. fine, final brief point did, did, you, did you keep an eye on Clash Mail Con and Causeway when you're when you're when you're comparing a region to region Um. Well, I, I always keep an eye on uh, uh, the areas where I come from. Um, yeah, they are uh, part of North Kerry, uh, and uh, generally they, uh, it has gone undergone enormous change uh, over uh, the, the last decades from being predominantly uh, farming type area to now an area with a, um, a range of part-time farmers and a, a mix of other industries with a lot of the people uh, living there commuting into Tralee. Um, and they're making uh, and choices being made in terms of their preference to live in the countryside, but uh, a willingness to travel um, 15, 20 miles to get to work as well. Yes. They, um, they are personal preferences. How long that can be sustained into the yeah, long term? It's another question. And, and the wider sense of Kerry it is that over the last number of years, population has remained stable and, and grown slightly, but people are moving more into the centre, that triangle around Tralee, Killarney, Killorglin for work purposes, and, and right. maybe leaving... Yeah. The, the outer regions of the county, the peninsulas, the Evera, the West Kerry and parts of North Kerry? And that, I think that, that's uh, essentially the picture that's emerging. And it means that in those um, uh, areas uh, in particular, there's the, uh, a, a, a huge reliance on, on two factors. One on, on the state to provide subsidies and transfers to, to enable households to continue. And for the economy, there's an enormous reliance on, on tourism. Uh, to generate uh, the extra income that isn't available to the, the, the normal uh, residents uh, in the area. And sure. uh, then the challenge, of course, are how to uh, attract uh, tourists to the area make, and have a viable uh, product uh, that itself will, will remain sustainable into the future. Yeah.